And the point I made is that it's the Daz Newsome misprice. Swipe Right Sports. It is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. It is episode 45. And what you heard on that little open there. Yep. That's uh, That was a miss. No way around it. And it was pretty funny because I was looking at the games. And I'm not someone who constantly looks at my DraftKings lineups app to see where I'm at. I just kind of monitor the games and just by seeing what's going on, I kind of just have a, I know whether my little lineups are going to end up in the green line or outside of it. And early on, I thought, okay, Max Duggan, hit. That worked. Chuba Hubbard and Najee Harris did their things. Sean Dykes from Memphis came through. Everything was going well. Everything according to the plan. And then as the afternoon games continued to kind of take shape and you saw how they were working out, I know, I go, I, I know there's going to be two icicle emojis next to two people's names in my lineup. And it's none other than the guys I was most hyped about, Daz Newsome and Ulysses Bentley the fourth, who if I have a kid one day, I may make him Ulysses Bentley the fifth. But... It just didn't work, and uh, it happens. I still agree with all the logic to arrive at the conclusion on those selections, but sometimes it just doesn't work, and you just got to move on. You got to put that shit to bed, re-energize, recalibrate, and start taking shots for next week's slate, and that's what we're doing. It is the CFB DFS Week 6 Day Slate. It starts now. All right, welcome in one and all. We're going to go game by game as we always do. But first, just a little programming note. I'm recording this on a Tuesday because I'll be um, heading to an undisclosed location in northern Michigan on Thursday evening to hang out with some friends and uh, probably take three to four years off of my life by participating in certain activities for just three to four days. So... Looking very forward to that. So if you're hearing certain Vegas lines or maybe injury status is certain, going, what is this guy talking about? Um, that is why. So I know things will change from now till Friday or Saturday morning. So just uh, bear with me there. Um, all right, first game is the University of Texas San Antonio Roadrunners at Brigham Young. Um, so BYU, only team by Vegas projections projected to approach 50 points and I started taking a look at the first side of this which is the Roadrunners and I just saw the running back's name Sincere McCormick I don't know why I have a fascination with these names but Sincere it's like what, what, like Gwyneth Paltrow in uh, Chris what's his nuts from uh, Coldplay like naming their kid Apple like I, what are you people doing I just I don't I know it's me and I just need to get over it but anyway um, I know no one cares. I'll move on. So, as far as sincere goes, 
I think he has a really nice role, but again, this is a game where they projected maybe score one, maybe two touchdowns. And I've talked about this before, but just having that feeling of if I'm paying his price, I want to feel like the matchup is there and the ceiling on the offense as a whole is there. So I need that guy to get in the end zone at least once to kind of uh, return value for that slate. So for that reason, um, pay that price. Not really interested in him, even though I think he has a really nice role. From the receivers on that team, which I think we probably all agree they should be doing a lot of throwing in the second half, uh, if you're into kind of those dart throw candidates that I am, I like to always start at the bottom when I build my lineups in the maybe 3 to 4K range. And if you hit on one or two of those guys or start by building with one or two of those guys, you right away get up to that you know 7K range where you can fill the rest of your lineup out with all the guys that project to have really high ceilings and supposed especially the higher floors as well. So even if they don't have great games, they're probably going to do enough to keep you competitive in contests. So keeping that in mind, um, Brennan Dingle at wide receiver, multiple catches in every game this season. He's 3,800. Sheldon Jones at wide receiver has one, at least one catch in every game. He's at bare bottom 3K. Uh, I love the 3K guys. You get like two of those guys. All you're really trying is to just get anything from them just don't get zero and look as long as they're on the field and these guys will be anything can happen right get a screen pass a guy trips and falls it breaks another tackle house it can happen um and that's just kind of how I, I view it like last week we talked about in this category i talked about chase lane and jalen hyatt we know they're going to be on the field the production will eventually come as long as they have some ability and it did in a big way with lane i think he had something like six catches for 60 yards Jalen Hyatt had two catches for 54 yards for Tennessee. That's huge when you get those kind of returns from these uh, ranges. So I'm always, always looking for uh, building block guys in this range every week. And I even do this in the NFL. Um, last week, it was Darnell Mooney. He was my guy for the Bears. And uh, he was a revelation in terms of this profile, what I'm describing. So um, if you're into that, I think those are solid candidates on that side for Texas San Antonio. But other than that, I'm just kind of out Let's talk about Brigham Young. So for me, I'm either out on Brigham Young running backs or I'm playing the game where I have to set two lineups, one with each, just to get that touchdown coverage for this offense that projects to probably get somewhere to four to six touchdowns. And if I want to capture all those, I want to feel like I probably have to set two lineups and have one in the other, or I just avoid it altogether and look elsewhere because they do have big prices and I think you can probably get better um, just better, you know, profiles with the right roles and the goal line work. You just have more clarity on that. And so I always want that when I'm paying these prices. You know I don't like to guess at running back. It really, it, it just, it really bothers me. So, um, so, and again, it can work. It doesn't mean it can't work. These guys are obviously in a good offense, but I just don't like going into the slates going, do I have to count on this guy and to not get a touchdown? Or he's going to be on the goal line and the other guy is, and you're just like, what's going on? So you just don't know. Um, QB Zach Wilson also just mentioned this point too leads the team in rushing touchdowns that's the other thing we've talked about with Texas running backs Oklahoma running backs when they're not exclusively getting the goal line work and the quarterback in fact is a big part of that goal line running work it just caps their ceiling week to week and it makes it really hard to pay those prices for me um, so yeah I've made the point enough I don't know that I can pay for a Gunnar Romney at 8200 even though his floor is super high. I, I understand the price, but I don't know. I, I think I always want to pay up at running back more. Like I want 
Brees Hall, and we'll talk about this guy, but Khalil Herbert, maybe him, uh, like everywhere. Kind of like Chuba and Najee last week. I was like, I'm just not gonna allow, my thumbs won't allow me to hit submit without Najee and Chuba. I must have them. Uh, so we just trying to find the best way to get to them. That's what we're doing here. So let's get out of this game and go to the next one, which is Texas at Oklahoma. Texas minus two. It is over under of 72 and a half. The Red River Showdown, formerly known as Shootout. But again, we can't call things shootouts anymore because I have no idea why. Anyway, I'll leave that there. Uh, okay, Captain Obvious, always target, uh, always target a race to 40, right? I mean, like everyone's going to... This is going to have a huge impact on this slate. You want it to be involved in some way. So how do you do it? I don't really have a lot of strong opinions on the Oklahoma side. Again, um, tight end Austin Sogner at wide receiver. It, it, tight, tight end, sorry. Kind of the wide receiver running back, Jeremiah Hall. Uh, he's listed at RB. I'm not sure if he's exclusively operating as an RB or wide receiver. But those guys are getting decent volume. But I think all these guys are so touchdown dependent every week. The, the four to five, 50, 60 yard floor, four to five catch that is 50, 60 yard floor, I think you can um, count on, but all these guys are, are so touchdown dependent in this offense. They spread it around so much so far that I don't know um, that I really wanna pay a lot of prices here. You know someone's gonna get it. It's just kind of a guessing game right now until this works out a little further with Rattler at quarterback and who he looks to as his go-to guys. And obviously, I think Marvin Mims and Charleston Rambo are the clear um, upside guys that you want, and that's why their prices are. But the rest of them, I just don't have a good feel for it. I'll probably avoid it and spend money elsewhere. Um, but Rattler, I, I think his ceiling too, the way I talked about Miles Brennan with LSU, I'm starting to think this is a little kind of similar with Rattler at Oklahoma where it's not necessarily going to be like Jalen Hurts or like Baker Mayfield was in this offense. Um, I don't know that he's at their level yet. Doesn't mean he can't get better and, and improve that level, but right now I'm not so sure. Um, so I don't know if this is a, a offense that, yeah, you're going to see constantly four to six touchdowns a week. Don't know if it's there yet. And um, I just want to reiterate my running back take for OU and Texas that I continue to hammer, but I think it continues to play out pretty well. Rashawn Johnson did get a touchdown. Uh, he did get a couple goal line carries too that I don't think he converted, but he caught one kind of on a goal line screen pass. So maybe you think he's the better play to Ingram, but I, again, I think this is going to be so inconsistent week to week, and there's going to be no way to know how. And uh, it's the same way I talked about the BYU running backs. With Ellinger doing so much of the goal line work, uh, it just caps the ceiling on Keontae Ingram and Rashawn Johnson. And then it's the same thing with OU running backs. I just don't know that I can pay their prices. Although they're in great offenses, it's just I, I can think I can find better options elsewhere who I know I can count on without those circumstances. So um, on the Texas side of things, we saw the first time with Jake Smith. And I think right now DK did not really uh, calibrate that well for this price. I think it's around 5200 uh, probably the best price floor ceiling candidate on the board. He looked much more closest thing to Devin Duvernay and taking over that role as anyone they've had. Uh, and he just jumps out right away. So um, I will say this. Joshua Moore got hurt early on in that game. So you could also take that in consideration. 
it may impact it when they're all out there together. Um, maybe that will take some of his production or targets away. But um, he definitely looks the part. And uh, I, I would make a guess that he may end up being the highest owned player in the contest this week, which I'll, I'll be interested to see. And then everyone else, kind of like we talked about with um, Oklahoma, they're just very touchdown dependent week to week, and it's a total guessing game. So I'm going to get out of that game and go to Texas Tech at Iowa State. Uh, so the big story here, I think, at Texas Tech last week is running back Xavier White in his big performance where he kind of outperformed Sir Roderick Thompson. And what does this do to Sir Roderick's ceiling moving forward? Because um, he's he was one of those guys for the last few weeks I talked about who has that that perfect role. All right, just like the running backs thought of Oklahoma and Texas, Sir Roderick has you know, cowbell roll, he catches passes, gets the goal line work. There's no risk with this guy. It's just set it and forget it. But now, I don't know, did that change last week? Is Xavier White, when he has a performance like that, I think it was something like 13 carries, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, is now, is he too good, or was he too good that they're going to have to work him in to the game? I don't know the answer to it, but it's something to be aware of if you think Sir Roderick Thompson's a no-brainer. I'm not so sure right now. So um, something to be aware of there. And then uh, wide receivers, TJ Vasher, Eric Ezukanma. Price makes no sense this week. I don't know why they got lowered the way they did. Um, they're both really good values. I know that uh, Alan Bowman got hurt, but Henry Columbia came in, was competent. 30 of 42, 244 yards, two touchdowns, one TD. Also, a decent runner had eight carries for 40 yards. So, I I don't know why these guys' prices would go down the way they did. I think Vasher's might be like 4,900, and Ezukanma maybe 5K. But anyway, they shouldn't be there, and uh, they're they're great values on the board at wide receiver. And then the other kind of thing that popped was freshman kind of wide receiver slash running back. He's that joystick player, a big yak guy. That doesn't really have a true position. Um, it's Miles something. Why didn't I write his name down? Damn it! Um, anyway, some of you aware of, he had a 651 one line. He's at 3,700. I did a little reading. Sounds like they're pretty excited about the kid. And hey, if he turns in performances like that, stands to reason that they're going to want to get him involved more uh, to make their offense as successful as possible. So 3,700, again, talk about that range. To hit on that line with that kind of stat line, you're cooking. So, um, look, on the other side of the, with the Cyclones, just very straightforward, right? It's uh, Brees Hall, Xavier Hutchinson, and Charlie Kohler are kind of the pecking order here. And um, as far as receivers goes, Xavier Hutchinson and Kohler, we all know about Brees Hall running back. And then maybe Tariq Hillen or Chase Allen, a receiver to consider as well. Uh, Chase Allen had three catches for 48 yards. He's 3,300 too. So, again, one of those candidates that we already talked about with the price there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not going to really spend a whole lot of time on this game. That, I think that that offense is kind of working itself out, and I name the names that I think are important to target. So let's move on to Florida at Texas A&M. So I think Florida, talked about this last week, I think they're priced out pretty fairly. So it's kind of hard for me to sell value in this offense. I still think it can work out, and Kyle Pitts can have good games and still return value even at the higher price. It's just hard for me to say like, oh yeah, I'm not, I mean, you're not going to hear me say a lot, hey, you should go play this guy who costs $7,400. No, I'm trying to find ways to get you to afford him. That's how we're doing this. So I still like Damian Pierce at running back because they're in such a good offense. 
week to week, and the price is pretty solid. But he is also TD dependent, and um, Florida's just a very they're very pass first now. Um, it's not a haven't been running the ball as much, and it's just a it's the Kyle Trash show, and it's working well. So I don't expect it to change anytime soon. On the other side, I'm kind of more interested in the ceiling this week on the A&M offense against the Gators, who, again, I think they're mostly kind of evolved in this team that is mostly interested in trying to outscore their opponent as opposed to you know, ball control and defense and all that stuff. Obviously, Anaya Smith, the clear focal point now of the offense at that kind of joystick wide receiver running back slot. Um, he's lines up everywhere all over the field. They clearly want to get him the ball. I think even at 6,500, he can have a ton of value here. I think the other big factor is what does it do to Isaiah Spiller now? I just didn't see him out there a lot against Alabama. And even though I think he's really talented and he's capable of returning um, really good stat lines and he has a great price, it seems like Anaya Smith has just usurped him in a way where um, he's kind of the guy now in the offense. And so I think Spiller has value. I think he'll be probably get anywhere from 10 to 12 touches, but he's just not the dynamic player that Smith is. And um, I, I don't know that I can play him knowing what Smith's impact has been on this offense. The other um, guy I talked about last year, wide receiver Chase Lane, that was a big hit. I played him everywhere. He was an even 3K. He's now up to, I think, 4K. So they've adjusted on him well. But um, he's just on the field the whole time. And he ended up getting six catches, I think, for around 60 yards. So he's also someone to consider. I think there's good value. And then, um, yeah, I think along with Kellen Mond this week, you know, he wasn't really, he wasn't bad against Bama. I mean, he had a pretty good day um, in terms of stats. And so I think this serves as a good matchup with Florida, who they're not bad defensively. It's just the way they play the game. They're trying to bomb teams and uh, they're not really too concerned about giving points up. So I'm interested. I think Mon has a higher ceiling this week. And I already mentioned this guy a couple times if you've been listening, but I'll say it again. Demon Demas or Demon Demas. Still not sure how we're, how we're pronouncing that. But uh, he did see the field last week. I saw on Twitter someone say he's in the game. He didn't record a catch, but he's an even 3K guy. And they did talk about this on the broadcast. And I think I'll just reiterate the point, but... They've had so many opt-outs and injuries at that position that I would not be surprised for them to kind of turn somewhat to a youth movement at that position group. I think it just makes sense uh, to get these guys as much experience as possible for the future. Let's go on to Virginia Tech at UNC. UNC is minus five and a half, over under 60 and a half. And I think I may need to owe an apology to Khalil Herbert and his family. I just kind of glossed over them before when, when they were in a couple slates and was like, yeah, you know, Virginia Tech, not a great offense, quarterback play questionable. Do I really want to pay for Khalil Herbert? Or I think I even said I like Blackshear more, which I might have been a mistake. I think it probably is at this point. Um, Herbert's had huge games, and you just can't ignore him at this point. And I think I've set a couple lineups already this week, and I find myself putting him and Brees Hall in both running back slots and all of them. I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay away. So, um, yeah, you just can't ignore I, I wouldn't expect 200 yards from him week to week, but um, the, the big games are just there, and he's making a bunch of big plays. It's not like this is, you know, five, six yards here. He's making a lot of plays of 10 yards or greater within these carries. So, um, and I think also this is a team that wants to run the ball a ton. They don't have a big 
uh, time passer at quarterback. Uh, they ran the ball 50 times overall last week. That included QB Braxton Burmeister with a 15-52-2 line. So he is involved on the goal line running, and he's involved as a rusher, but Herbert's just playing so well and getting these huge games that I can't. he can't be ignored. So uh, I apologize for that. Uh, Blackshear, too, I think is um, will be good. I, he'll get his share probably anywhere from 10 to 15 touches. He went 13 for 47 yards last week. He's at 4,300. I can't do the wide receivers just because what I talked about with the quarterback play. It's just inconsistent. There's no established pecking order, and I'm just going to shop elsewhere. So on the other side, UNC pretty straightforward and fairly priced at this point. You think you know the names. Uh, Daz Newsom, Dimey Brown, Javante Williams, Michael Carter are the main um, guys there in that offense that you want to get in your lineups. It's an offense that has a lot of upside week to week and will probably be good for five to maybe uh, – so four to touchdowns probably, but in the good weeks, five to six. And uh, I may run my run back my Daz Newsom uh, play out of pure anger. So, um, yeah, let's get on. Let's keep moving. And we're getting on to that SEC speed. It's Tennessee at Georgia. Georgia's minus 13 over under 43 and a half. My thoughts are the same for Tennessee as they were last week. Eric Gray or Josh Palmer, everywhere else, not interested. Um, no one else just has the upside in that offense that I care about. Uh, the other running back is not as a dynamic of a pass catcher as Gray is. Uh, so I don't really want to pay for him, even though I think sometimes he may outscore him certain weeks. And then also freshman Jalen Hyatt, who I've talked about again, uh, did show up in the box score. Finally, two catches, 54 yards. And he's on the field a lot, 3,200. So I think he's a big consideration at that price range if you like to play, uh, build lineups that way. On Georgia, running back Zamir White, in my opinion, arguably the top price, floor, ceiling candidate on the board at this position just based on matchup and rolling the offense. And he gets the goal line work, all of it, right? He catches passes, uh, even though they don't pass a whole lot. I really like his price, and um, that's someone really I'm going to consider and have a hard time probably not avoiding this week. So uh, other than that, wide receivers. So, yeah, I want to mention, too, until further notice, Stenson Bennett looks like to be the QB1. Um, He was all right uh, last week. I mean, they didn't really have to do much. The defense suffocated Auburn. So, uh, But a wide receiver, it clearly looked like Kyrus Jackson – is maybe the clear wide receiver one. He popped with a 9-147 line, and he's 5,700. You get those lines at 5,700, uh, it's going to work out well for you. So other than him, maybe George Pickens, and that's about it. So let's get out of there. Let's go to the next game. It's South Carolina at Vandy. South Carolina's minus 13, over under 42.5. Same as I said last week about South Carolina. It's Shai Smith, uh, or kind of bust. And I'll add Kevin Harris to that. He turned in a nice performance as well last week and looks to have uh, a very secured cowbell role in that offense as the clear RB1. He also uh, did a good job with in the pass-catching game as well. So Kevin Harris is something I don't mind, especially with the matchup this week that I, I would consider him. And then um, we're just out on the Commodores. I think that's pretty clear. Maybe some decent dart throw candidates, 3,500 for K range, but projected to score 15-ish points just... I, I don't know. I, 
you know my feelings on, on teams like that. It's just, it's tough. Low ceilings. Don't like it. Let's go on. It is uh, Kansas State at TCU. TCU is minus 8.5, over under 51.5. And, and the story here was Skylar Thompson suffering an in-game injury last week. And what I have you written down in my notes, Will Howard, greater than or equal to Skylar Thompson? Question mark. I'm not so sure. Based on watching that a little bit of that game and also the box score, uh, he looked pretty competent. When he came in, he was 7 of 12 for 173, a touchdown, no picks, led three touchdown drives of 75 yards or more. And that's pretty impressive. I don't see Skylar Thompson doing that a lot in one game, uh, especially if he hasn't started that game. So I, we don't know. It was just came in one game, but it was uh, pretty impressive. It looked competent. And I think might be someone to consider on this board if you're paying down at quarterback. On the receiver side, Malik Knowles starting to become a thing where I might have to start walking this back and I'm becoming a truther. I think I'll have a big game. I do really do. But uh, I, I don't know. It's just not It's not happening at this point. And so I, I do really think he's talented. But I don't know. It's it's hard, it's hard to pay for him too with all other really good options on the board, especially like the Texas Tech guys I talked about as well. So, And uh, you know how I feel about Brian Moore. Still undervalued. I think around $4,200. He just should be probably around 5K generally with the floor that he has each week. He's been returning value every single week. So, and just outperforming that price. On the other side, TCU. It's now the Max Duggan show officially moving forward at QB. He may also be the best running back on the team. And you know what that means. Out on TCU running backs week to week for me. I can't do it if I don't see you getting um, at least pretty exclusive goal line work. And... Um, and, and Max Duggan isn't your biggest, your best running back. So on the receivers, Tay Barber, only reliable wide receiver right now week to week. If I had to pick other ones that I would maybe take a gamble on on this team, it would be Quinton Johnson. Um, he would be my favorite guy to emerge at 4,400. And then another guy I think is really interesting to watch, who I didn't know this until I watched the game last week, this guy transferred there, was J.D. Spielman from Nebraska. He's a graduate transfer. He proved last year with Nebraska that he was capable of having real big games. He's at 3,700 right now. I think that's a mistake. It may take some time for him to work himself into the offense, but I think if there isn't a clear-cut pecking order from these guys or there's no one really established because of Jalen Rager's absence, it was pretty much him and Tay Barber were the go-to guys last year. Uh, I don't know. I think he would be a guy that would have something to say about taking on a role in this offense. So. Someone to watch and maybe even take a gamble on with Spielman at 3,700 this week. Let's get out of here and go to Pitt at BC. What a terrible loss for Pitt that was last week to the Wolfpack. Oh, such a Pat Narduzzi special. Unbelievable. So the big news here is the status of wide receiver Jordan Addison got hurt early on in that game after scoring on a 77-yard touchdown again, I think. Um, he's just making plays every week, so unfortunate if he's out. But if he is, the guys, I think, whose ceilings uh, skyrocket pretty well in a pretty solid matchup are Taser Mack, who's at, uh, I think, around 5K. And DJ Turner was the guy last week who really seemed to benefit at an 8-catch 186 line. He's at 4,700, so... I think it's going to be really hard to avoid these guys with those ceilings 
uh, if Addison is out. I think they just make a ton of sense here. I would also consider Shockey Jacques Luce at 3,700. Um, he would be expected to have an increased role as well if Addison would be out and has a great price. I want to like Vincent Davis at running back, but the 15 carries for 40 yards last week is just not very inspiring. So I don't know if I can trust him uh, on a slate yet. On the other side, I'm not really sure what to do with David Bailey at running back for Boston College. There was a, some big things expected uh, from him with the absence of the Packers running back, who, again, I can't... A.J. Dillon, there it is, got it, yes! Um, anyway, Bailey is averaging 3.4 yards per carry on the season, and um, they're not really even running the ball a lot, which I think is kind of strange, but I don't know, maybe maybe they don't, they're not very confident in it because of what the results are getting, so maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, so I don't know what to do with him. I'm probably not going to pay for him. At wide receiver, I think Zay Flowers, a really solid price floor ceiling combo. Uh, 5K, I think he makes a lot of sense, has a lot of value. In the dart throw department, wide receiver CJ Lewis. He had a 3.45 one line uh, last week. He's at 3,500. And backup running back, freshman Pat. Garwo the third. I wrote that down. He is 3,100. Caught six passes last week. And I, I, I wonder, some intuition tells me, I wonder if they might start looking at him a little bit more, get involved with David Bailey having a little hard time here in the running game. Look, he caught six passes for 30 yards. I'm not going to go nuts. I'm just saying he's $3,100. If you get sex, if you catch six passes with that, you're doing your job, you're returning tons of value. So someone to consider for that dart throw department. Let's move to the next game. It's NC State at Virginia. Virginia's minus nine and a half, over under 63 and a half. The big story here was the switch to quarterback to Devin Leary last week. And I wrote down the question, what is the ceiling now week to week on the Wolfpack offense? This guy against Pittsburgh, who's a legit D, he went 28 of 44 for 336, four touchdowns, zero picks on that defense, which again, legit for the ACC, let me just be clear. Um, and he did it all with a zero running game. I mean, that's that's the, what I thought was even more impressive. They had no running game to speak of, and so you're ultimately, you're going to be in a lot of you know, second and longs, third and longs, and it just makes it harder. No one really uh, respects your run, they're not afraid of it, and they can uh, jump the pass. So. I think if you're paying down a quarterback, he may make some sense here this week. And then the wide receiver part, wide receiver one, Amika Amizi, Amika, seven catches, 101, two touchdowns last week. Great price floor upside candidate at 5,100. And tight end, Kerry Angeline at 4,300. He had four catches, 60 yards, two touchdowns last week as well. Also, wide receiver Thayer Thomas. At 3,500, had six catches for 48 yards last week. That's great value at that price. So, I don't know. I'm very interested. I can't believe I'm kind of kind of weirdly fascinated to watch NC State at Virginia. I'm dead serious. I want to see what I think about this guy. I didn't get to watch that pick game last week, but I went and reviewed the play charts, looked at the box score, and just went, is this guy just automatically way better than what they had at Bailey Hockman, I think it was? Um, we'll see. I'm interested to see it. 
Uh, Virginia is a very defensive-minded team with Bronco Mendenhall as their coach, so should be a pretty good test for him. Um, let's talk about the other side of it, which is Virginia. And we have taking over for Bryce Perkins. It is Brennan Armstrong at quarterback this year, another kind of dual-threat guy. Also, maybe a nice matchup here where if you want to pay down at this position, and I do like to do that a lot of weeks, he's thrown for five scores in his first two games, added 136 rushing yards and a touchdown as well. So um, I think he's a good candidate if you're paying down. Out on the running backs for NC State, uh, I just don't like the prices and think I can do better elsewhere if I'm paying for someone like Ricky Person Jr. Or, so, sorry, I'm sorry, I talked the wrong team. On Virginia's running backs, I just don't like uh, Talawapa, I think it is. I, they just don't, I think he does get work on the goal line, but I, Brennan Armstrong also will. And I just, I've watched him last year. I just, it's not like a big home run hitter. Not a lot of big play guys. It's kind of more like a three yards on a cloud on dust type runner. So, um, yeah, I'm just out on the Virginia running backs. Billy Kemp, the fourth, and Terrell Jana, only guys I'm interested at the receiver for Virginia. So that's it for them. Let's go on. It's the last few games here where we got one, two more. And the first one, Arkansas at Auburn. Auburn, or yeah, Auburn minus 16 and a half, 48 over under. Look, it was a nice dub last week, uh, taking down Leach for Arkansas, but it was like almost Mississippi State just gag went away. They had like five turnovers or something like crazy like that. And um, Arkansas still 275 total yards of offense. That's tough. 212 of it came in the air. That's bad. It's a bad matchup, too, with Auburn. They'll probably be looking to prove something coming off of kind of an embarrassing loss. So, look, I wrote down maybe Trey Knox at wide receiver for 3700. Maybe. Just from watching Arkansas last year, he I like the way he looked like to be the most explosive player at that position. But it's it's tough. You know my opinion on Felipe Franks. I'm just not impressed. And um, I've named so many other candidates in that price range that I have a better... Uh, feeling about that I think are in better positions and in better offenses that I think I'm just out on uh, the Razorbacks again for this week. On the other side, the story with Auburn, and I wrote this down, is Tank Bigsby emerging at running back for Auburn. I don't know. I don't think anybody does. What happened last week was Sean Shivers sat out DJ Williams dressed, but he was very questionable headed in. Ended up almost getting, he got no carries, and I think got one catch for like negative four yards. So it was Tank who got all the work. He's kind of a, an exciting freshman that everyone's talking up. But I still think as long as all these guys are healthy and playing, it's probably going to be a hot hand thing. Tank probably gets the first crack because he did play well. He, he was their leading receiver and did okay on the ground as well last week against Georgia. So I think they'll give him a, the first crack, but ultimately I think it's going to be so inconsistent week to week. And Bo Nix is another guy who has a lot of goal line running uh, capabilities that they'll definitely use. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to spend 5600 on Tank Bigsby this week because of all the reasons I just mentioned. And I think it's a really solid matchup and someone who gets – you know, somewhere around 15 touches, has a lot of chance to return value, but uh, 
I think for 5600 I can probably do better with uh, more clear pictures. At wide receiver Anthony Schwartz, solid value at 4100. QB Bo Nix also makes sense as a solid candidate if you're paying down at QB. That's all I have for that game. Let's go to the final game, the game that everyone has been waiting for, all of America. It's Duke at Syracuse. And this is one, um, this game is made for gambling and fantasy purposes, and it's just like kind of the family and friends game. There is no one who's going to watch this game. It's, uh, it's <laughs> besides their, their moms and dads and, and brothers and sisters and cousins. So, <laughs> look, Duke is minus two and a half, 49 over under. Duke is very simple at this point. It's just uh, Deion Jackson at running back with Mateo Durant uh, and Tita Nogre, the only guys I would even consider on that side. And I think Chase Bryce just caps the ceiling of this offense so much that I don't know if I can pay for them. Even though Jackson is a really solid price at like 4,900, he's probably going to get anywhere from 15 to 20 touches. That's always a really good um, situation to be in. I, I just don't know if I can do it. Uh, I, I don't like this offense. And then on the Syracuse side, last time we saw the Orange, they quote-unquote won over my boy Jeff Sims and Georgia Tech. But they only had 350 so total yards on offense, and my boy Jeff Sims had like four or five turnovers. I mean, that's they, that's why I quote-unquote won. I mean, Tech just handed them the game. So, uh I don't know how impressed I am with them at all still. The big story in that game was Sean Tucker kind of turned to the RB1 now at Syracuse. He had a nice game, uh, 24 carries, 112 yards, and two touchdowns then. So I think you can um, expect something similar in terms of workload for them moving forward. But overall, again, just not a game I'm all that interested in, so I don't ever want to pay his price, which I think is fair. It's around like 6,200. And then like if, so for example, if we're paying that price for running back, I'd much rather have uh, Xavier White for Georgia. Is that Xavier White? Are there two Xavier Whites? One is on Tech too. Anyway, the Georgia running back, I'd much rather pay for than um, Sean Tucker here. Todd Harris at wide receiver is a consideration for Cuse. Um, but, you know, the total on this game is 4900 Again, just paying those prices, I'll look elsewhere. And, um, yeah, probably out. Everywhere else, that's it. That's the slate. We did it. And uh, I wish everyone good luck. I want to thank you for listening. And we will see you next time. Quick programming note. First, I'm an idiot. It's Zamir White for Georgia, and I think I said his price was around like 61 or 6,200, which is not true, it's like 72. But I still like him a lot, and I think my goal this week is going to be to get him, Brees Hall, and Khalil Herbert in all my lineups, and no one can stop me from doing it. Also, uh, no night post this week. I, uh, I just won't be any condition to analyze anything uh, well, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, we'll be back next week, though, with all that. And uh, now it is the NFL pig segment. Here it is. All right. It is 
week five of the NFL. I'm joined as always by the doctor. And I think I just want to start with the obvious question because we're recording this on a Wednesday night and there was a lot of uh, breaking news regarding COVID. And are we going to even have a week five doctor? I mean, you are a doctor, so. I, I think so. I mean, if you look at the things that happened, <laughs> I am a doctor. If you look at the things that happened <laughs> last week, you know, obviously you couldn't have one game, but one one came through. So yeah, we're going to have one in five. Okay. Probably maybe some, uh, so there there could be some altered lines because of sit-outs. Sure. I, I, I tended to stay away from those that were, uh, had some question marks around them right now. So limited some of our choices. Yeah. And I just want to be clear though, that if we're saying these lines are probably going to be some changes and um, yeah, who knows? There could be some cancellations as well. So let's talk records. Last week I was two, two in one, no blood, but uh, well, disappointing. We'll get to what was kind of, I think the, what switched and altered the slate a little bit for both you and I. And then um, on the season, I'm eight, 10 and two still trying to get back to 500 last week, doctor, um, a down week, one, three and one overall in the season, 11, eight and one. Any particular thoughts about last week before we talk, uh, the board overall, I think you're going to get into one of them. I, just overall, I mean, this you know, gambling week to week is a bit like, you know, the stock market. It's not green every day. You're going to have some red days in there, but if you stick to the fundamentals, uh, and you know what, you know, it'll be, it'll be green in the end, which the overall record is. And uh, I'll touch on that one of my one of my upcoming picks too. Okay, um, that was I like that spin. Very good for you. Um, no spin, no spin. It's just true. That's just reality. <laughs> uh, NFL overall against the spread numbers through four weeks. The favorites versus the dogs a dead even 28-28-3. Home road is twenty eight thirty two and two in favor of the road teams against the spread. And there's kind of a little more neutral sightish type. Uh, atmosphere this year anyway home favorites are 19 22 and one home dogs are eight nine and two substantial favorites which we consider of seven or greater on the season are 11 seven and two against the spread outright losses so far from those substantial favorites this season are three there was one last week and it was the Niners on Sunday night I don't know if that number closed at seven but it was a seven on our board and um, I kind of thought it was a little fishy number, so I just stayed away from it. Kind of scared me off, but they were the outright losers. And let's talk this week. We have ten home favorites, if you want to call them that. Five home dogs, and then two teams on a bye. I know it's good news for Lions fans. They're on a bye in Green Bay, so we don't have to witness that fucking four-hour sitcom every week. What a joke <laughs> that is! Unbelievable. What, what, just every week. What you, got, what you got hope when they got 14 zero that they were going to be two and two at the close of that game. You bought in? No, no, absolutely. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't want them, anything good to happen. Absolutely not. So I was like, oh, great. Here, they're probably going to. No, I get mad when they win because it's like you're just going to, you know, you're going to screw around. You're going to mess up your draft stats. And so they're just going to be in the middle where is the worst place to be. But, um, yeah, no, they did their job and they got rolled up again. So that was great to see. Another great performance by Coach Patricia. And, uh, all right. Um, so look, we have favorites of substantial favorites of seven or greater this week. Nine. It's Judgment yeah. Week, Doctor. It's the Big haves time. versus the have-nots. So um, yeah, let's let's just get into it, and we can get into our best five bets against the spread each. Do you want to jump in with your first? 
Yeah, I'll jump in with my first, and this goes back to my commentary about you know some weeks it's going to be red, and most weeks it's going to be green. But you got to continue to make you know, tough decisions and go with what you know. So my first game is Arizona, head of the Meadowlands, the Jets. The Jets are plus seven and a half. Um, <laughs> pub, the public is on Arizona at 90%. I'm not going to sit here and create a football narrative or an against the spread narrative for this one. This is simply on the fundamentals. Uh, if you want to win over time, these are the decisions you have to make. Uh, it's not for everybody. It takes guts. Not everybody has guts, but not everybody's a winner. So if you want to be a winner, you're going to take the Jets plus <laughs> seven and a half today uh, this week out of pure gambling fundamentals. You have to do it. It's a winner. You know what, doctor? Um, we are in agreement here. The Jets made the picks for me as well. And nice. I looked, I looked at this one and this is perfect because the Cardinals just had two bad losses. Are they going to do this three weeks in a row? I mean, this is this is the perfect get white right right week. The Jets are arguably the worst team in football. They have a literally a monument at QB starting, an actual statue in Joe is Flacco. It, is it arguably, or it just is? It no, it just is. He has the same forty times as Benny White. Look it up. No, it's I, a true story. I, Swear to God. And how, how many how many teasers is this going to be put yeah. in this week? Yeah. How many teasers? So. Um, I'm with you. I, I go, this is there's no reason. Um, Flacco is, again, the guy has stones for legs, so I don't know what's going on here. And no one's going to try. Again, like you said, you have to be willing to do this. You just have to do it. It's how it works. So I'm in the Jets at seven and a half. All right. And I, I want to go back for my first pick. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about last week, and I think where something went off script for both of us was the Dolphins of Miami. And, you know, I gave my opinion about Seattle and how I thought their record and overall the team around Russell Wilson just a little bit fraudulent, and I can get back into that. But I talked about their defense and how it's dead last in the league in yards per game and how it's just super suspect. And I'll tell you what the Dolphins' last seven drives of this game were. Nine plays, 54 yards, field goal. Eight plays, 64 yards, field goal. Ten plays, 48 yards, field goal. 10 plays, 55 yards, field goal, 17 plays, 73 yards, field goal, four yard, four plays, 11 yards, pick, and then eight, 75 for a touchdown. I mean, if you do that to anybody with a pulse, any decent team, you're not going to live like that. It's not, you're not going to win all these games. It's, it's going to catch up with you. And also, I mean, bring that, who coaches that team anyway? Is that Matt Patricia on defense? What is that? That's unbelievable. <laughs> So that's just terrible. And that's the Ryan Fitzpatrick and Miles Gaskin. So, yeah. look, and the one thing I want to say, um, too, is that it was the one play that flipped the script of this game. This was going perfectly at the first half. And then yeah. that ridiculous, they went full dolphin in that ridiculous yeah. play at the end of the first half that ended up turning into a 75-yard touchdown drive in 21 seconds. Two, play, two plays or three plays? I can't remember. Was. I, I, think, I think it was two, three plays, 75 yards in 21 yeah. seconds. And – it was just ridiculous. Uh, so that kind of just flipped that game on its side. And I knew right there we were probably in trouble, in for, at least looking for a cover there. So, listen, all the logic leading to the conclusion for the pick still applies this week. I don't think this team is that good. Last time I checked, when I looked at that defense, Delvin Cook coming in as a leading rusher in the NFL. Cousins, not great, but, you know, he's competent. He can do something against this defense. I'm taking the seven and a half points in the Vikings Against Seattle, they're not that good. I, I'm not going to call them frauds like the Bears, but 
but this is not. This is the same team that showed their ass in the playoffs to end their season against the Packers. It's the same thing. It's no different. Russell Wilson has to be perfect, or else they're just not going to win. So that's all this is. Uh, I'm running back. I'm, going, I'm running back against them. Vikings plus the seven and a half. Okay. All right. That's a that's a tough one. I mean, you're still putting a lot of trust in in Captain. Minnesota team. Yeah. Just, <laughs> man, it hasn't hasn't been good. I don't like one last week, but we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to the Texans here in a little bit. At least on my side, we will. Um, all right. You want me to jump to pick two for myself? Please. All right. So. Uh, we got the Rams uh, traveling to uh, D.C. to play the Washington football team. Uh, the Rams are laying seven and a half. Look, the, the Washington football team, uh, I took them last week. They covered according to our spread, um, or I should say pushed according to our spread. Right. Um, but it doesn't change the fact. They've lost three straight games by double digits. And just this team just feels like they have no identity. Uh, it just doesn't seem like there's anything cohesive going on that they can build on. It, it's just ugly. Uh, so, so they're down. Uh, and look, I've heard the narrative about LA three trips and four weeks to the East Coast. They haven't looked great. They got to be tired. But Bob, as you always say, defense travels. <laughs> the Rams are, are ranking six in points per game, uh, only giving up 26 in sacks with 12 in ninth in takeaways. So that defensive unit has been pretty good. Bob, you know what else also travels well? A good running game. And the Rams are running the ball over 50% of the time. And that's only uh, behind two teams. I think yep. you could guess the first one pretty easily. Do you know the second one? It runs it more. S- S- oh, who runs the ball more than yep. the Rams? Per- percent of snaps. Yep. I, the Vikings. No, so it's Baltimore and actually Cleveland. Oh, yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, well, Cleveland. No, yeah, knew Baltimore. You knew Baltimore. I gave it Baltimore. That was an easy. One. Anyway, so that leaves it. That leaves a third manageable for the Rams. They've had some good drives. They're converting over 52 percent of their um, third downs, which puts them fourth in the league. Uh, you want to know Washington's third down conversion percentage, Bob? I don't think it's very high, but you can it's tell not. me. It's 33 <laughs> percent, which places them at DFL, uh, last in the league. So look, it's 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 trending towards um, the Rams minus seven and a half. You know, one final note to crush the you know East traveling East narrative. McVay yep. since joining the Rams at one p.m. starts on the East Coast is five and one straight up and five and one against the spread. The only loss was to the Bills earlier this year, and you know we talked about that last week. So Rams uh, minus seven and a half. Okay, and that although just a little note there. Uh... Dwayne Haskins officially out as starting quarterback. So um, that might, hey, that might not work to your benefit, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, there's no, like I said, there's no identity there in Washington right now. It's going to take a while for them to, to develop that. Yeah, and I think I, I don't mind Ron Rivera as a head coach. It's Look. pretty, it's pretty alarming, like how quickly he got there, and it's just like I'm out on this first round pick from a year ago, like at quarterback, yeah. like you're done. Because um, I, I think he's been, he has been bad, but. It's pretty disturbing that he that quickly is like, you know what? I'm just pulling the plug here. So, um, yeah, it's tough for him. Uh, look, I'm going to travel to your Texans from last week uh, in Houston. Okay. And um, we were messaging last week, and you you had the Texans, and pretty much in the second quarter said, "How bad is this Texans team?" And it was, uh, and, I, and the answer was pr- pretty bad. Uh, it, it was pretty rough look again for them. Still couldn't get the win against kind of a, you know, an average Vikings team that's not even playing them well themselves. 
And I kind of every, every week I like to look at the stats and the trends and kind of see where teams are lining up. And I think through four weeks you can start to see kind of strengths and weaknesses. And I also like to always look at who can run the ball and who can stop the run. Very important to me when I make some of these picks. Now, for the Houston Texans, where do you think they rank as running? running run yards per game in the NFL. What do you think their rank might be? I'll go with 24. How about DFL? Would you, would you, <laughs> and that's what, that's with a running quarterback. That's with a guy with a threat with his legs. Would you care to guess what that run yards per game is at the top? Run yards per game or run yards per carry? Run yards per game. Per game, let's go 74. It is 74. So <laughs> pretty good. That, that's good Knock for DFL. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's good for DFL. So would you like to know, would you care to venture a guess as who is ranked DFL in the NFL through four weeks at stopping the run in terms of uh, yards allowed per game? Is it the Texans? And are they giving up roughly 192 yards per game? No, that was a great guess. Because I, it, it's the Texans, it's 182 not, yards. Not bad. That's that, pretty good. That, that's like a college football number. It is. That's pretty good. 182 <laughs> yards? How is that even possible? Now, some of that is from when they played Lamar in week one. But, I mean, still. That's, yeah. hey, the Lions are better than them at 170 yards. So, I mean, that's just, I looked at that stat, and all I thought about was Talia Shire in Rocky Three, just so going, you can't win. You can't win. That's all I thought. Like you can't win like that. So this is this is a. I, I was actually pretty shocked. That was a. This is a pretty bad team. Like all around Watson. Uh, so, and also, league leading Watson has um, taken 16 sacks. That wow. is worse in the league. So there's a lot going on here. It's um it's just a bad team around Watson. And I think we saw uh, the Bob got dismissed this week. Yeah. rightfully so and let this be a lesson to everyone out there everyone out there no matter what you're working in when you're hiring people for leadership positions or just you see people in leadership positions okay and you're kind of not sure about them you're not like you kind of question that is this the right person for the job if you're questioning it pull the trigger because this is what happens to people like bill o'brien when you go okay hey i'll give you another year another off season what could go wrong you know what could go wrong not only did he not do a good job, he traded arguably the best receiver in football for David Johnson's corpse. He set this thing back even two more years. Whoever comes in is going to have to undo all this nonsense. So uh, I hope the Lions are listening to this podcast because <laughs> if if you give these guys another offseason, they're just going to make it worse and worse. And the next person that comes in there, they're going to take years to just undo it all. It's so ridiculous. So um, as you may imagine, are you taking Jackson Jacks plus, plus six and a half is the pick. Well, Bob, uh, you stole a little of my thunder on this one. Uh, All right. <laughs> I, I was going to do this one last. Uh, you know, we've been talking about you know, basically uh, Deshaun not going to 0-3, not going to 0-4. And it reminded me of a quote um, from your boy, Queen Bron Bron. He's likely to get his fourth, although with an asterisk, uh, title. <laughs> Jesus. Um, what? It's, a, it's an asterisk. I'm not going to do this. I'm this week, this. I was going to say, not one, not two, not three, not four, 
but five straight losses coming for the Texans. And I and I truly believe that. So that, I was I was going the same direction. I, I've got some fun ones here. You covered some of the uh, the running stats I had in there, so that's great. Uh, a couple interesting <laughs> interesting tidbits, which which tie back uh, to our favorite team, the uh, the Detroit Lions. Uh, oh, yeah. Houston is the only team now in the league uh, without a turnover. Uh, the only other team in week two without one uh, through two weeks was the Detroit Lions with a defensive coach, uh, Matty <laughs> P. And what was even fascinating is I, as I dug into this fur- further, the most recent streak longer than the Houston streak of no turnovers, which is at 16 quarters, was the Jags. They had not had it created a turnover for 23 quarters in 2016. They played the Lions and they got their first turnover. Uh, it was something like week 11 and 23 quarters against the Lions. And not only that, that streak, which would have continued, uh, stopped them from breaking the Lions' own streak set in 1937 to 1938. So there you go. This is If you don't live in Lions' world, this is just what happens. You start digging, you uncover how bad the Lions are in so many weird ways, and this is another one. Most of you probably couldn't even follow that. The bottom line is the Lions <laughs> suck, and as you dig in the stats, it just keeps coming up. So one side note on the ATS here, Bob, in support of Jackson, a plus six and a half. Obviously, I'm with you. Last five seasons, uh, teams that have gone through midseason firing, two and six, ATS. Yes, in the next game. Oh, nice. That's a that's a nice nugget there. I like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's keep this going. We got a vice presidential debate to watch here soon, so I don't want to slow things down. Um, we're going to uh, Baltimore, and okay. we we've discussed Mr. Burrow. The common games, young man. So let's see. Uh, what uh, <laughs> we we've discussed him quite a bit, and look, I'm not going to put a yellow jacket on this guy already, but. Um, just from the eye test, he's got that it. And there's also a lot of nice young pieces around him to help him develop with Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins now emerging as one of their high picks. And um, also Joe Mixon, nice piece at running back. And I think if I believe everything I've been saying, it just makes sense that this isn't exactly your average rookie. And they would they'll likely just get better as they play more together week to week. So um, I think with COVID kind of not taking some of this neutral site game or home field away a little bit outside of probably the chiefs. If you're giving me 13 points with bro right now, I'm probably going to be in on that. Um, I just, I believe that much. So I think this is a little bit of too many points and I'm going to take Cincy plus the 13 and a half. Yeah, you, I, I'm with you. Uh, you hit on a lot of uh, what I had there. Uh, anytime that I can find a way to jump on the burrow train and take them, I'm, I'm going to, um, I think, look, a lot of people are pointing towards Cincy's run defense this week, and it's in the bottom of the barrel of most statistics, and Baltimore is going to tear him up. But everything you said about the weapons he has around him, them growing, uh, you know, Mixon had 150 yards on the ground last week, Burrow threw for 300. So, you know, I like I, I think he's throwing for three. I think he's throwing 300 every single game. Every week. Okay, great. So, I mean, I like the way they're growing, continuity's coming together. And, look, the Baltimore D is pretty average. It's nothing to write home about. They're in the middle on most statistics. So, at a minimum here, I think you get a little late Burrow BDC backdoor cover if you need it. I don't even need it. I think it's going to be more competitive than that. Uh, look, he's a gamer. He's proven it. I think he likes the big stage here and wants to go shut some people up or or maybe not shut them up. Keep the momentum going, I guess. And I think they do that this week. So, I'm, I'm with you on Burrow and Cincinnati plus the points. Lots of agreement. 
Lots of agreement. We have three, right? Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, yeah. But it's we're not we're not going GP. That's for sure. We're not going GP. No, no. Um. So my last game, and I think this is lazy, and I don't like when other people do it, and I don't like it myself, and it's just hitting the easy button and saying Chiefs minus 13 and a half. Now, but I have the reason is this. I think that last year, if you remember, Mahomes was not 100% healthy most of the time. And they were just kind of, they, they were all right. They had a lot of injuries all over the place. Right now, this thing is kind of in midseason form. And everyone's healthy. All the pieces are there. And I kind of make the comp to when we were talking a lot more about college football last year, betting on that. And I kept bringing up this point about LSU that this is the biggest competitive advantage in this sport right now. There is nothing you can do with a high-level quarterback with all those weapons. There's no defense for it. It's kind of like great pitching beats good hitting. There's nothing you can do when these guys are on. Outside of turning the ball over or Mahomes maybe having a bad night, they're just no one can stop this over the course of four quarters. New England actually did a pretty decent job on Monday night, and it still went on its side eventually because you just can't hold them down for four quarters. Um, so they've already, I think, won, I think three of their four games or have already been by about 14 to 16 points. So, look, I'm probably going to do this a lot this year unless I have a reason not to. Right now, I don't think there is. And I did see something. It was some game where, not some game, but some report. I don't know if it was a player or coach quote, and I don't know it verbatim. But someone was saying, like, yeah, we're actually kind of kind of using this as kind of the preseason right now, just getting 10 things kind of <laughs> tuned up. And I was like, oh, you are? And I was like, oh, are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I guess we can just stop the season now because no one's going to beat you. It's, 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 uh, yeah, I think this is, um, there's no one that can stop in this league. They clowned Baltimore in that Monday night game. That was over at halftime. I mean, so, and that Baltimore, you know, they're a Super Bowl contending team. Uh, so, look, I'm going to do this with Chiefs minus 13 and a half, and I think there's good reasons for it. I, I think that's fair. I mean, much like me with the Patriots in the past, um, you know, it's a little bit like the stock market there, too. You just find your teams that you trust and know, and you just go with them. And, and typically, they produce results. And then you throw in some of these other ones where, you have to have guts to really, really go with them, and that, that usually leads to you know some wins. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that one. Uh, I will say, last week though, I thought the Patriots' offense led to um, you know the Kansas City offense getting some benefits and, and you know not having to uh, be as uptight, if you will, or not have to play under pressure. Uh, Hoyer was not was not great in the red zone. I think, needless to say. But anyway, all right. So that's your five, right? I got one more. Yeah, I believe so. All right, so Miami at San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco laying eight in half. Uh, look, this San Francisco team is coming off a bad L to Philly. I think this is an opportunity for them to get right. You talked a little bit about Miami last week failing to cover. Uh, I can't see them traveling west and, and getting better. Um, you know, they, they kicked a lot of field goals. The Patrick just doesn't have a lot around them. That, that running game with Gaskins, it's, it's okay. Devontae Parker, who's a little hobbled as your best receiver, that's not great. So that together with, with Miami, I'm not buying into. And then I think San Francisco has to bounce back. I know you've been poking fun at the San Francisco defense. It's not the San Francisco defense in the past. They're battling injuries. You think they're broken. But look, on the field, they've actually done pretty well. Uh, they are third in yards allowed and second points. So that, that stands for something. The schedule has been that great, but still, stands for something. Uh, you know, lastly, look, I don't know who's starting this week. I don't know if it's Jimmy G. I don't know if it's Mullins. I don't know if it's CJ's beer. 
If Vegas doesn't care, they're giving eight and a half. Why do I care? So take San Francisco <laughs> minus eight and a half for a bounce back after the awful loss to the Eagles. Uh, that's my five. Okay, I like it, and I, the one I think I do, I still think this is too many points right now for them because of all. There's so many. It's not just injuries. These are all super high impact injuries to, that there are to the guys. So, um, I don't know. I still think it's a little too much for them to be giving. But I will say that, in terms of just a organization and infrastructure, like we talked about, sometimes it's just a program game, and it's just like, hey, I don't care who's playing. We are the better organization than this team. We're gonna go out well, and show why. And so agreed. I, I, Agreed. I'll jump in there. Also, I forgot to mention, 83% of the general public is on Miami right now. Now, it's only Wednesday, so those numbers can move a little bit more, but it's still a big start. And that is and that is why, too, like someone like I just said, I said, it seems like too high of a number to me, so you probably do want to take San Francisco. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense that, that that's getting hammered by the public. Well, um, I like it. I like it. And we're through our picks. Um, before we get to the debate, is there anything you want to – Anything well, else you want to mention? I, I well, no, not related to football. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the the debate here. No, no, we're not going to. I mean, I before know. we hang up and watch it. <laughs> God, okay. No, oh, did you want to mention? You want to mention that? I, well, we might as well share with our listeners. It is quite entertaining, no matter what side down you sit on. So, at some point in the past. Uh, I think a few weeks or maybe months, uh, Kamala Harris, the vice president candidate for the Democratic Party, mentioned that her, her favorite living rapper is Tupac Shakur. <laughs> so tonight, um, I, I believe it was the Trump campaign. I'd have to go back and actually check. Uh, somebody related to Trump and the Republican Party decided that they were going to uh, reserve a ticket and leave the seat open for Tupac <laughs> <laughs> Man, I mean, it doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't get any more laughable than this stuff. Oh, my God, so good. The fact I, that she said that and, did, you know, she's trying to obviously pander to her base. And the fact right. that the Labor Party reacts to that in that manner just kind of shows where we're at. At least we can laugh about it. So we'll see what the next three hours bring. I don't care what side you're on. It is funny. It, it is it funny. Is. The best part of these debates, no matter what side you're on, is go watch all the sides at the end of it and go watch the spin zones that are happening and how delusional – <laughs> Many of the people are that are speaking there. That's the most entertaining part, is because they think they're actually being serious. In fact, they're they're the most delusional of all of us. So enjoy. <laughs> if you don't normally watch that, go watch that for thirty minutes. Should be a great night. Looking great, forward. Great to few it. weeks ahead for all of us. I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, well, all right. Hey, this was great. Um, good luck to everyone out there, and we will see you next time. See you, bye. That's right. It's debate time, baby. And whether it's, you know, that nonsense or COVID or the social unrest, this is why, you know, I need I need sports. I need to just look at my stupid DraftKings lineups and go, you know, which 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 golfer, uh, which <laughs> which college football player, which NFL guy do I need to go in on this week? What's the right what's the right permutation this week? What are the good stacks? Because if you do this stuff enough with the news, you're just going to go insane. And look, if the NFL shuts down, I'll understand it. I know sports don't really matter. We don't really need them. But I think I might need them. So um, (laughs) that's it for uh, episode 45. I want to thank you guys for listening. And uh, we will see you next time. 